0: Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of (laughs) Moth.
1: Breaking! We have a pro tour. We're talking about that. We're in different clothes because we're recording this... Right after the Pro Tour, but recorded the rest of this episode last week as an ongoing part of our site review. So we're uh, interrupting this planned program to talk to you about what happened at the Mythic Championship this last weekend in London. The
0: future or the past? I don't know. That makes me want to talk about things that I shouldn't talk about. This is the present. (laughs)
1: This weekend was packed. It was packed. There's a lot going on this weekend. We got Avengers: Endgame. Won't talk spoilers there because martial art producer is way behind on the uh, MCU. We yeah. got Game of Thrones, which we won't talk about because Ben Bateman is way behind on Game a of Thrones. A year and a half. Behind. And then we have War of the Spark, which we won't spoil because you guys are all reading the book still, and I don't want to do that to you because you actually care about that. Since this is a magic podcast, so I can't talk about anything with anyone. So this, the Mythic Championship though uh, was awesome. Look at all of you know. I'm really glad. I'm really glad Wizards listened and they banned. Uh, Um, Faithless Looting wasn't in the format, like, would have been way too oppressive. This format was definitely not equipped to be able to handle it. Oh, wait. Uh, Alex, uh, Faithless
0: Looting has not been banned in Modern yet.
1: Then why, why did it, why did no know Faithless Looting decks? Only one, oh, there's only one in the top eight? That's weird.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely (laughs) looking at this, looking at this top eight and watching some of the coverage here, Mm -hmm. it was really fascinating because the most played cards were all pretty much one CMC instance or sorceries <laughs> and commons at that. They like <laughs> So on that se-
1: sentence, because yeah. the whole of Twitter was like, oh, look, all one CMC, the most played cards. That's been true of, mo- like we pay attention to the top 10 most played cards using yeah. MTG Goldfish on, uh, basically for the last four years consistently. The, no- the top seven most played cards in Modern have been one drop, Instances and sorceries between Lightning Bolt, Inquisition of Kozilek, uh, Faithless Looting, Ancient Stirrings, Noble Hierarch, it's just, that's modern. Yeah, it's That has not changed with this format. No. We just have, I guess, the graveyard hate one now. So we have surgical extraction has been added to that group of guys and, and gals.
0: And that's a pretty specific, like, format card because of exactly where the format's at right now. But, I mean, I think the reason is, like, in any strategy game where you have a limited number of resources, you're finding ways to either churn through those resources faster to get to exactly what you want or finding ways to interact so that you can then naturally draw into the things that you need. But right. one way or the other, that's why things that cost one are so, so important and in power formats. I mean, and I would go a step further and say, in Legacy and in Vintage, you're playing things that cost one and things that cost nothing. Or other resources to get there, which makes it go even faster. Modern is like sort of exactly at the pivot point where you're getting the most value for one. And there are the most things at one that make the format work. So, the format was one. Or, sorry, the, the, the Mythic Championship, as we're calling it, was won by... As, as it's called. Well,
1: Mythic Championship <laughs>
0: 2. Mythic Championship 2 was won by Eli Loveman playing humans. It's a good name. Yeah, he played Sperling, friend of the show, Matt Sperling, in the finals. Yep. Um, Sperling was playing classic Affinity with two copies of Experimental Frenzy, which is That's like... That's really cool. Yeah, I've played against that before, actually. Yep. And uh, it's definitely like, the, it makes that deck turbo in a way that old school Affinity was good... But it hasn't shown up as much recently. Mm-hmm. Experimental Frenzy is freaking turbo. And I can't remember the text on the card in front of me, but I'm sure it's going to be on the screen here. But it's effectively a four mana red enchantment that allows you to play cards off the top of your library. And because so many of the things in Affinity cost zero, you're able to just go totally, totally bonkers well, and, and
1: nuts. And even with Affinity in a deck, like a lot of lands you want, like even when you get, like kind of the problem with Experimental Frenzy in Standard is you can get, if you get stalled out on a bunch of lands on top, they're just like basics or dual lands. In Affinity, Half of their lands are mana mana creatures. The other half are artifacts. Like you're getting a lot of value even from just getting some a couple lands on top of your deck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was the that was the finals. Uh, rounding out the rest of the top eight, you have Alexander Hain playing Green Tron. Um, you have Adrian Zhu, Z H U, not like Z O O, uh, playing Tron with Thrag Tusk and a World Breaker in the deck. That's pretty sweet. Um, Tien Nguyen playing. Wait, how do you pronounce the name? Win Nguyen. Win. Tien win playing Titan Shift with three Mulvani Acid Moss and a Chandra Torch of Defiance in the main. Three Acid Moss in the that's, main?
1: That's been a thing recently in Ponza decks, and it's cool seeing it in Tron.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I'm a huge fan of Acid Moss. Um, Brian Brondoon playing Humans. Uh, he was playing no copies of Deputy Detention, but most of the decks were playing Deputy. Though the two other copies in the top eight didn't have any. Um, Chris Kvartek playing Humans. with uh, He had one of the green, white, black NFNs. I think it's NFNs of the Foremost. Uh, mm-hmm. Also no Deputies. And then Javier Dominguez playing the only copy of a deck with Faithless Looting in the top eight. Is it Phoenix? Now, you know, Is it
1: Phoenix was the second most present deck in the format. It had a 52% win rate for the event, or 52.7, with Humans being third, Tron being number one, and then it goes all the way down, and, uh, you know, obviously Affinities did really well. Humans and, and Tron being the best performers, I think, in general in this top eight, Obviously, humans has the problem that just like humans are always going to be printed. I think the big takeaway for me, and we're not even getting into all of this stuff that, you know, is that Tron, especially with the new mulligan rule, if it becomes affected, a thing that happens is problematic. And Tron was one of the best decks in this Mythic Championship without the new cards being added. And it's getting at least two if not three extremely powerful additions outside of war of the spark
0: in our previous uh, set review karn being probably the biggest
1: or this one i think i think that was in the second episode which we recorded there's like time issues but i think that's in in this episode we will talk about karn and we will talk about um uh the the statue
0: yeah yeah the god pharaoh statue or whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah, so that was the that was the top eight. Um, the only deck to crack sixty percent win rate at this event was Ad Nauseum, which is interesting. It's sixty one percent. Um, that's a that's a pretty bold part. Part of, a part of that statistic. is like, it's
1: easier to hit something that hard when you're only eight decks versus yeah, right. So many of them. I think it has a really good matchup against Tron and humans. And is it Phoenix? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. Uh,
1: and cards decks good.
0: Yeah. Um, The other stuff, you know, Frank Carson wrote an article on the Mothership talking about some of the most interesting decks um, that did well. Um, Mark Jacobson playing a red Eldrazi deck. That's pretty cool. Um, This deck is interesting, playing four Serum Powder and some Chalices in the main. But the other cool list here listed was the Vanifar Pod deck that went 6-4, playing by Amand Delsimant. Sweet. Sweet name, Amand Delsimant. It's a great name.
1: That's that's a deck list that I think is going to, like, get better and better. It's, you know, Pod took... Three, two years before everyone kind of like got good enough with it that it became the best deck in the format and I can imagine Vanifar decks having a similar uh, like trajectory
0: yeah I mean Vanifar is interesting right it's four mana sorcery speed so it's a little slower than, than pod it's obviously not colorless so there's that but it is still really powerful I mean like And and it's interesting, right? right? Like, uh, the Kiki Jiki Splinter Twin decks never really caught on after they banned Splinter Twin. Like, it almost, and people tried, and it would be fringe, but it never quite got there. And right now, Vanifar looks like it's kind of filling the same role, which is like the fringe version of the old powerful deck. Though, I have more faith in Vanifar's ability to conquer that than I ever did with Kiki Jiki.
1: And once you add the finale, the new green finale, which I think we'll be talking about, or we talked about last week... You talk about it at the start of this week. Started this week. We'll talk about it today. We'll talk about the finales later today. And and the green one definitely adds another tool. I mean, not even my I don't think we talked about Vanifar when we talked about it. Adds a whole other tool to that deck. And yeah, super excited. Uh one other thing is so the reaction so far from the people that played in the event were pretty off of the mulligan rule, which is interesting. Now off as in they did not like it. They did not like it, yeah. Um I don't know. Overall, obviously, data is not everywhere, and that's just a few pretty outspoken people. And I, I can imagine Wizards not wanting to be different. One advice from one of those pros was that arena legal formats should use this mulligan, but then this mulligan should be the Vancouver mulligan for modern and, and other eternal formats. Where do you sit on the new mulligan role?
0: Um, I really want to go back. And like tonight, I'm actually planning on going and spending some time watching some of these matches mm-hmm. because I got to watch a little bits and pieces, but uh, this weekend was really packed. It was a it was a packed weekend and like in general in general like I don't fu- like <laughs> this is just a tangent but you guys know me well cuz you listen to the show and watch the show uh content is the thing that I struggle with the absolute most in my life anymore like watching any it of- Content that takes more than five or ten minutes, if it's like, whether you're talking about playing in a magic event, right, so like if that's creating my own content, if you're talking about watching magic coverage, if you're talking about watching sports, watching movies, watching TV, reading comic books, like, there's only so much time, podcasts, I don't even listen anymore, I used to love podcasts, there are so many minutes in a day, and I don't find that I have the time anymore to like, in real time, go do it, so, like, tonight I'm going to go binge a bunch of the Mythic Championship because, like, I really would like to watch those games. I can read about them. I can watch clips five, ten minutes at a time. But, like, I would like to see these matches. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I really – I like the idea of the Mulligan rule, and I think it's cool for modern. I'm going to probably have a stronger opinion on next week's show when I actually have, like, binged a lot of these matches. Sure. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I think that
1: a Mulligan rule that allows for gameplay to – to be more interesting more often and more fun and more games of magic to happen is better. And that if there are decks that take advantage of the Mulligan rule in a way that make it problematic, but for in general, it's better for games then those decks are the problem, not the Mulligan rule.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see like now that we have one competitive events worth of information for players in real time to have taken those decks, played against each other at a high level at the next Mythic Championship, to now see how people have adapted. That'll be, I think, the real tell. Is because like in this one, people were still going off theory crafting for the most part. What the field was going to be. And like now, modern a field with that rule has been implemented. Um, so I think that will be.
1: What I think that's that's also interesting. Is is you know, in, unless they make this rule an actual rule, which they're going to try and do. Uh, if they don't in modern, then this metagame doesn't matter. Like this, this top eight isn't necessary. Like this is a top eight meant to with this Mulligan rule and other these other changes plus War of the Spark comes out. Um, if I would say that if the Mulligan rule happens, I'm shot calling Expedition map being banned within the next year. That's, um, I, guess, yeah. I think that Ancient Stirrings keeps too many decks working. That And Wizards has basically made the statement every time a new ban list comes out. Like, we don't want to get rid of the glue that's holding a lot of decks together. We're willing to get rid of other individual cards to slow them down. And Expedition Map is a colorless source of, like, letting Eldrazi decks just kind of function in a way that maybe they shouldn't be able to.
0: I mean, Iron- Ironworks getting banned is a good example of right. am deciding, look, we don't want this deck to be in the format, so we're going to make it so this deck doesn't work in the format. Period. Like that's and we're not gonna we're not gonna ban the little cards that get you Ironworks. We're not we're gonna take out Ironworks. Right. And I don't know if they're gonna ban
1: Tron outright. I don't think they'll like get rid of uh tower, tower, but I think get getting rid of which by the way, if they get rid of tower, they should just get rid of all three. Like they got rid of all three artifact lands. Everyone's like, Oh, just ban one of them. Just ban all of them. It's weird to only have one be banned. Um but Expedition Map, I think, is the real pick. It slows the deck down, it makes it so it can't be colorless. You have to go into green. I think it just is a better option and it allow, makes it so that you can't have turn three Tron without naturally drawing it. Right now, you can get yourself there. Um And with all the new cards from War of the Spark. The other statement I want to make about the Pro Tour or Mythic Championship before we get into the, uh, the actual episode is, and um, we get into our episodes from la- our outfits from last week, <laughs> um, is um, I really disliked it being on the same day as the pre-release. I like... I think one of the things I was really unhappy about is, A, we didn't get to see any of the new cards that I'm now... Like, I'm excited about trying to get War of the Spark cards into Modern, and we just got the most high-profile type of tournament you can ever have, or second now, because Mythic Invitationals exist, and none of those new cards were able to be played in it. On top of that, I already... Like, ignoring the fact that there was also Game of Thrones and Avengers this weekend, on a pre-release weekend, I'm generally not available to pay attention to people live-streaming a tournament. Yeah. I have to why I want to play in the event. That's yeah. why I want to go to a pre-release. And so like layering those two things together made it feel like I, like this is the least I've watched a modern pro tour in the history of modern existing.
0: Yeah. I found it to be pretty surprising. Like I definitely, I definitely went and spent my pre-release, you know, my hours and was just sitting there thinking like, it's on in the other room. They're streaming it. I could be watching this right now, but I I want to play. If I don't do this, I'm not going to get to pre-release. So. Right. And I think me playing
1: with cards at a pre-release is more valuable to me being a help of you guys, knowing how good cards or not good cards are going to be, uh, than necessarily watching a pro toy that doesn't involve any of the new cards.
0: Yeah. So speaking of which, and, and I just something to point out, you mentioned this really briefly, but um, I actually didn't realize and was confused because of wizard's major, major push to make magic an eSport that the only million dollar tournaments are the invitationals. So the mythic championships are actually just pro tour still.
1: No, they're are they're $250,000 tournaments. I thought,
0: well, the first place winner at a pro tour got 50 K and the first place winner at this event got 50 K. I know that. So it's, okay. I believe it's the same unless it goes, maybe it goes deeper. Maybe they extended the money down further.
1: Maybe, or maybe there's more, there might be, is there more mythic championships this year? We'll figure that out. We'll have well, a conversation. I
0: believe so. I think there's supposed to be one a quarter. Okay. Yeah. So well, that's just,
1: that's how many there used to be.
0: I was just surprised. It was yeah. All. I just I thought that it would, they were all invitationals, and it's still exciting. There's an invitational, but I still think the idea that you would win a, a tournament now with the way Magic has built itself and win fifty grand is awesome. But it's a, a little bit deflating, I think, in in terms of esports. Right. And there's a lot of layers. Like I'm.
1: I also think like there's a little bit of a downbeat after the fact that this was the first tournament after the mythic invitational where like that was so well-produced and so high profile and everything about it was this big epic thing. And the next closest thing to mythic invitational was this pro tour and you know, uh, Mythic Championship and they didn't put the same dollars into promoting or the, the that kind of effort into it and then so it kind of depreciated views and like I don't think that's fair and hopefully they're not taking that to mean Modern is that. That's what I want to make sure Wizards or Hope Wizards doesn't do is like oh look Modern is not popular. We won't do any Mythic Invitationals with it. It's no due to like seven different things that they decided to do this time all of them felt like they pointed in a weird direction. Yeah. Um, that's the last thing. They, it's weird that the like they did a lot of different things. All of them were like experimental, and it kind of makes all of the data a little bit off. Like you, they got rid of the control by making it so decks list were public. I know that um, Nick Prince was going to play a different deck, and then they told him his deck list was going to be private. He was going to play a, a prison deck with with chalices and get people with it. And yeah. but now that you can't get people with cards anymore, he had to play humans. So like, there's there's a bunch of stuff that went on that was weird. Um, why and, did
0: they do? Did they have an announced reason for why they made the
1: I don't know why they did it here. I wish they didn't. It's actually, I agree. And we should do a whole episode on deck lists being presented to opponents that I don't want to do now. We don't have time, but
0: uh, you sat down, you got to see your opponent's deck at the beginning.
1: You didn't get to see quantities, but you got to see the cards. It's, it's because it's because they show them Online on stream and so now it gives people an advantage when you're not on live stream versus off so it made it it was a response to a real complaint we're going to talk about this another episode i want to do a full episode on it uh thank you guys hope you guys enjoyed the card set review uh and we'll be doing part two today and then part three next week uh where you'll see us back in these outfits i might take the sweater off because it's hot so it'll be (laughs) different views all around
0: What's up guys, Masters of Modern here, I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. And we've got a couple quick shout outs for you guys that we wanted to remind you of on this episode. The first one is Twitter, at the MMCast. We've had a Twitter for years, it's a great place to interact with us. We post exclusive images of our brand new spoiler cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out at the MMCast. It is a great way to support the show. Kess, where can the folks find you personally? I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. The second thing is we have a YouTube. You may be watching this right now, honestly. You might be listening to it. But one of the big pushes for us in 2019 is to build this YouTube channel. We want to get more eyes, more ears, bigger guests, better episodes, higher production quality. We even hired a producer right now, so you might even see the camera angles changing. Subscribe, like, comment. It's going really well so far, and honestly, if you guys support it, even if you're an audio listener already, it's a huge thing you can do to help us grow this. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing for our long-term health, is patreon.com slash the MMCast. Guys, this year is going to have a ton of cool rewards for you. We really want to make the Patreon feel special, and it's a great way to help us grow our ability to hire the producer, to get new gear, to do anything cool in the future is going to be dependent on our ability to actually pay for it. Because right now, Alex and I are just paying out of pocket for the show, you know? We love it, but that's what we're doing.
1: Well, and, and the producer will help us kind of make sure we stay on stuff on Patreon, so it'll be a really thriving community.
0: Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is the command zone. Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai, these guys helped us start this thing, mm-hmm. collected our companies where you can find their stuff. They're seriously the most professional magic people in the world. Not named Ben and Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: they make awesome content every week, Commander Focus. They do game nights. They do uh, the Command Zone is obviously the podcast, the sister podcast of and Cast. Check them out, collective.com. It's the same place you can find our episodes every week as well.
0: And the last thing is if you guys want to check out a great community, check out the Facebook group, the Masters of Modern. There's a ton of people in there. It's very interactive. There are constantly threads about new decks, new conversations. Uh, It's very active. Check it out. That's uh, Facebook, the official Masters of Modern group. And otherwise, let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. And welcome
1: back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, my co host.
0: What's up, guys? We're back. It's part two, it's the set review. There's a lot of cards to talk about. Uh, I don't want to belabor the point too much because we have so many th- sweet things to talk about. Yep. So, quick shout outs. This uh, is the Masters name? of Modern podcast. We talk about modern. I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter. I'm Matt Kessler. You can find him at Kess Wiley on Twitter. Everywhere, just at, everywhere. At the Cast, also is our Twitter. This is a YouTube you're probably watching or listening. Please like, subscribe, comment. We're not just saying that, guys. Honestly, you doing it is the thing that helps this channel, this podcast, stay alive. It means the world. Check out the Command Zone. Jimmy and Josh do great content as well as Game Nights. An amazing, amazing show. We started our show with those guys. I mean, shortly yep. thereafter, but... Uh, first,
1: first Masters Modern episode, you could say, was on their podcast talking about... Uh,
0: Modern and... Hell of us. Yeah. The
1: commander. Okay, I wasn't on that episode. No, you weren't.
0: Or around for that. No. Um, So we're doing part two of the set review today of War of the Spark. There's a billion cards to talk about. Um, So we are recording this. Part two of this is being recorded before the Mythic Championship, so we don't have that information yet. I imagine part three probably will be after, right? Uh, I'm going to shot
1: call, and say that Amulet Titan won. You're such a... (laughs)
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, if, I'm, hey, if I'm right, this looks great. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. We are going to be announcing the Gaggle of Gideon's winner from our contest mm-hmm. from our preview card a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, the, the person that we have pulled uh, from all of the many entries will be announced at the end of the episode. Um, should we just get straight into the episode? Yep. Anything else? Important yeah. Or We're
1: starting with a finale.
0: We're starting with a finale. Yeah. Sick. Yep. This uh, card might be the best card in the whole set.
1: I think it is the best card in the whole set. Uh, we'll see. Two mana is more than one mana. We'll find out. A finale of devastation. X green, green, sorcery, mythic, rare. Search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more creatures you control, get plus X, plus X and gain haste until end of turn. Now, the first thing about this card, the first time I read it, I thought you get end or like you can get a creature both from your graveyard and your library it's yeah. just one or the other it's not it's you you don't get two creatures off of this card ever um, well yeah unless we, it's you, you're other, not finding yeah. more than one creature card with this card uh, and obviously this is harking back to green sun zenith you it's one extra green so I, I think one of the things that made green sun zenith too good was the fact that it was a Land of War elf that became a best Tutor in the format.
0: You mean because for one green, you can get the card Dryad Arbor, which is a zero mana creature because it's also a land. Um, yep. So you for one green, you could put a Lannar Elf into play. And that was... People haven't seen that in a very long time, but when you say a Elf, that's what you mean. And yes, this... This is not as good in that sense, but it's a much better card in another sense.
1: Yeah. So, so the fact that it can get it from your graveyard is obviously super relevant. You can get regret cards that you want to get back from there. Uh, the fact that it can get any card and not just a green card, it it's kind of interesting. The fact that it, like, because green says death was one, got banned. There was two issues. They said one was that it made, um, it had the you know it was too good too late and too good late and too good early, similar to kind of like Deathrite Shaman. Another right. reason that card is banned is because like it's amazing turn one and amazing turn 10.
0: And another uh, reason that Green Sun Zenith is banned is Deathrite Shaman, because it just got Deathrite Shaman? Oh well, yeah, yeah,
1: but <laughs> well, it was banned before Deathrite Shaman was okay, printed, okay, wasn't yeah, it? Or like at the same time. Uh, that's that's that was not, the, the other thing that they said was that it homogenized green decks. Because it could only find green creatures, it made it so those decks were like, almost every green deck had to just play with the same 10 cards. And because this can play with, get any creature, You have a much larger library of cards that you can get, meaning that it actually makes the format less homogenized, at least for now. I mean, eventually we might find out we end up with a best version, kind of like Birthing Pod eventually got to the best version of of Birthing Pod. But even then, there were, what, three different Birthing Pod decks? There were uh, Kiki Birthing Pod decks. There were um, Classic Malira combo decks. And then by the end of it, there was also just... Uh, junk mid-range decks that are just playing rhino and they weren't playing a combo, then just it was just a value engine. And like you have all three of those options, this card seems like something similar.
0: This card is really good. Um it's it's really, really, really good. It
1: We haven't even gone to the fact that if you just have infinite mana you win with it. Like in Elves, right. like this is just a like you find it's ugh, crater of Behemoth and you win.
0: It's interesting the way it slots into decks that are already competitive in Modern, Ooh. because the infinite mana thing in decks in Modern that are creature decks, they actually want it to be a creature. That wins because, like, you need Duskwatch Recruiter to be able to get a creature because it Mm -hmm. can't get this card. So that's interesting. Well, Um, except
1: that you would just play with four of this card instead of Duskwatch. Like, the reason that's true is because they use it as a tutor because you don't want more than one Duskwatch Recruiter. It's not, it's fine, but it's not the best. Where this, you play four of them and you can just. If you have an infinite mana after playing the first two, this is amazing.
0: I guess what I mean is there are a bunch of different ways that you can interact with searching your library and comboing and permanents and entering the battlefield that have to do with permanents and creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't interact that favorably with spells because you don't flip a spell usually off those cards. You usually flip a permanent off those mm-hmm. cards. So this card is really interesting in that sense because it's, it's going to go in... I think it's going to go in and replace copies of other tutors or Collected Company effects in those decks, right? I don't think you're going to play, like, 9, 10, 11, and 12.
1: Uh, I think it replaces Collected Company. Yeah, that's what I would think so, too. Um, But maybe not. I mean, I don't know. That's that's a hard one. Collected Company is a lot of value.
0: Yeah, exactly. This doesn't go wide the same way. Um, I do know that Finale of Devastation, being able to get any creature, means that all of a sudden you're going to start seeing, like, Kiki Angel decks and things Mm -hmm. like that that were, like, pretty hard to pull off before just, like, happen. Yeah. Like, this just being a spell that you can accelerate into. Yeah. And we're talking about it for a little while. because this card's really, really, really good. And I
1: think Vizier of Remedies is kind of probably the best deck that this goes into because it makes infinite mana. So, like, this can be used early game to find the pieces you need to win the game. And then can be used late game once you have infinite mana to get anything you need to win the game on top of that.
0: Well, here's my thought, though. So, like, Kiki Angel or something like that, the reason that I think the Vizier of Remedies combo is good with this, but not quite as good, is your opponents will absolutely know... I need to kill Devoted Druid and keep Devoted Druid the card that's not on the battlefield or in the graveyard so that if they they top-deck the finale, they don't just cast it and win because the creature won't have haste. So I think that decks that just win if you have the two creatures and play like Kiki Angel is where you'll see this like... If you have the mana and you just top-deck this, you just win the game.
1: But the reason and we don't have to get too far into this but the reason the Vizier combo generally is considered better than the Angel Kiki combo is because those cards are inexpensive and good by themselves versus Kiki and Angel which are both expensive and one of them is not good unless you're winning
0: and infinite mana means that this card wins if you have it in your hand right yeah. And, and so like
1: it, it, it synergizes more with that deck and it can also rebuy Dev- Devoted Druid if it's in your graveyard right like the fact that even if they kill it unless they use Path to Exile you're getting it back um, next there's, there's we're going to briefly go over all the finales most of them are not relevant the next one is finale of the eternity which is the worst one black black x destroy up to three target creatures with toughness x or less if x is 10 or more return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield yeah th- uh, th- this card's bad i <laughs> not i wouldn't play this over damnation
0: no i mean yeah. it's, if they have a you can you could for five mana destroy like three creatures probably it's always
1: three creatures it's uh, it's never more than three creatures that you're destroying it's the how much toughness they have is what gets bigger with x so it's really minus x minus x to three creatures uh and if you, it's 10 or more, you reanimate a bunch of things, but I think that's just never going to yeah. happen. Uh, Finale of Glory, uh, create X-2-2 two, two white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is 10 or more, also create also, not instead, create X-4-4 four, four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. I think this card's good. Yeah, this card's I interesting. I think it's a control finisher. I mean, It's like white sun zenith. But way better.
0: On rate, think about this guys, for 4 mana you're getting 4 power. So mm-hmm. white getting 4 power and 2 bodies for 4 is pretty good. Like, yeah, and it's, a token
1: deck easy. That's playable. Um and worst cards.
0: For 5 you're getting 6 power and for 6 you're getting 8 power. Mm-hmm. Um, right there. Just like 6 being the kind of top of your what you're willing to cast as a spell. 6 mana 8, 8 over f- 4 bodies is really good. Is really strong. Yep. Um, I don't think you're almost ever going to have it cost 10. But like, it's possible. Uh, yeah. And it's way overkill if that's the case. Yep. Uh, I think
1: this next one is the second best one after the green one. It's red, red X. You may cast up to one target instant card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less, without paying their mana costs. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile instead. If ten is if it is ten or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new copies for those copies. Uh, the ten part isn't relevant. The fact that this can cast.
0: Yeah, ancestral vision.
1: I mean, well, no, I mean, it's Living End. Like, Living End no longer needs to play Cascade Spells. It already was kind of there, but this is almost better than Aspertold with Electro Dominance, and this you just have, you can play Mono Red Living End decks.
0: Yeah, between this, the other card we talked about, the 1-3 with Trample, Electro Dominance, they're definitely leaning into this red being able to cast from the graveyard without its casting cost yep. effect, um, which is interesting, and it should mean that those, like, if Ancestral Visions hasn't already spiked, I feel like it's going to spike.
1: The problem with Ancestral Visions is that this isn't that much better than this is better than electro dominance with electro dominance, issue is that's just not better than cathartic reunion because you have to discard two cards in visions and that the draw three cards right so this yep. is better because it's in your graveyard already so it's for and and you can get a second card so you can get ancestral visions and lightning bolt for instance because then you can get a sorcery instant for three mana which is a huge rate which is yep. definitely good um, the other thing is, you know, now that there's enough of these, really looking at the other ones that aren't just in social visions or living in. So the, yeah. the balance effect Restore one balance. is like really powerful. Wheel of Fate. Um, especially even with Electrodominance because you're discarding two cards to pull it off. Um, Wheel of Fate is really good with the mono red effects. Like, oh. I think that's really strong.
0: Yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff here. Those those time throw cards all probably spiked.
1: Yeah. Uh, finale Revelation X blue blue sorcery, draw X cards. If X is 10 or more, instead shuffle your graveyard in your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have two no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. You then exile Finale of Reservation. Uh, draw X cards for 10, X. I mean, I don't know if i play this over Sphinx's Rev.
0: It's, it's not, like It's close. not an instant. It's one of its biggest downfalls.
1: Down yeah. It's close. It's not there, though. The fact that you untap your lands, though, is relevant, but you have to be over 10 mana. You, right. Um, all right. Next cards, those are the finales. We're going quick, guys, because we spent slightly too long. Well,
0: we'll, sp- we'll spend time on the stuff that matters. Yeah. Just like... This card matters. <laughs>
1: uh, flux Channeler, two and a blue, two two. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate.
0: Yeah. So this this was the, specifically the card that our producer Marshall James was talking about. This is one that I mentioned with Pentad Prism. Um, so with the Pentad, Pentad Prism, Prism, you go infinite. Or well,
1: you, every instant or sorcery, you every non-creature creature spell, spell you cast that's one mana or less. Yes. Uh, so either you, net neutrals or goes up in. So mana.
0: So you play a Pentad Prism on two. On three, you play this card, untap, and at that point, every one, every every sleight of hand and Serum Visions and Faithless Looting in your deck um, proliferates the mana back onto the Pentad Prism, mm-hmm. and you have
1: as long as you I think keep, you play both of these cards in a Jeskai Ascendancy deck too.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Because like they them together with Jeskai Ascendancy basically means that you win twice most as fast. Ways. Yeah,
0: and like yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, there's. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's really, really good. That card's that card. That this is one of the best cards in the whole set. It's mm-hmm. it's super interesting. It opens up a lot of different combos. A lot. <laughs> it's a really good set. Yep. Um, and just like non-creature spell, this means that if you cast a planeswalker, it proliferates your other planeswalkers on cast. Mm-hmm. Like this card is
1: really, really It does a lot. And like the fact that you can just like cast a bunch of zero mana artifacts off of it. Just like you can go off with other things. I think it's really powerful. It's a human and a wizard? Like yeah. Well, like the wizard hasn't been relevant yet, but the human side definitely is.
0: I just mean wizard is a relevant creature type, yeah. like long-term. long Long-term,
1: long term, for sure. Yeah. All right. It's time. Gideon, Blackblade. Gideon, Blackblade. Uh The hero we all deserved. White, white, colorless, legendary creature Gideon legendary planeswalker Gideon as long as it's your turn Gideon the black blade is a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker prevent all damage that would be dealt to Gideon on your turn so at a base level Gideon just gets a free zero of every other one of his cards
0: ever printed like Gideon every Gideon a, has had this ability he has a four he's a three mana 4-4 human soldier that's indestructible prevent all damage that would be dealt to Gideon when it's your turn right. that's just what he is without his other abilities right and then you can plus one
1: to up to one other target creature you control gains your choice of vigilance, Lifelink, or indestructible. Um, so until end of turn. Yeah. Until end of turn, and the end or minus six XL target not land permanent. Now I think that's probably the weakest effect. The fact that like Gideon is a do is is just going to be a creature on your turn, but then like the other abilities it has are relatively medium. Makes it worse. I thought when I first read it that it's plus could target him.
0: Yeah, right, right. Um, And then I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, okay, so what's really fascinating about this card is like just right base level, as I mentioned, right? Four, four, indestructible for three. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now, the plus is probably relevant, but it's because it's up to one. You still are able to plus him without having a target. So he can just plus, and you're still getting a good creature. He's just a creature.
1: Right. He's giving a creature their vigilance or lifelink or indestructible. All three of which are super relevant because either one, it makes it so you're protected. Two, you gain life, which we've talked about a few times that it's underrated. And three, just giving your creature indestructible is obviously good.
0: There's no condition that makes you sad to have this card in play. And And the opportunity cost is so low because he costs three... That minus six starts to become relevant because it's not like he's a one one. If you minus six and down to one loyalty, he's mm-hmm. still a four four, mm-hmm. which means you just sit. This guy sits in play for a few turns. Probably you're attacking. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's board solved. You plus a few times. Now you've got to vindicate if you want it and a four four. You're <laughs> able to vindicate their permanent, but also attack the same turn. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah I agree. Now it's time to be sad. Because Gideon has sacrificed himself. One white instant choose a creature or Planeswalker. You control all damage that would be dealt to you. All damage that would be dealt this turn to you and a permanent you control is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. Uh, for instant, one white. So this is just like relatively okay. The thing that's really interesting to me is that in Boros Reckoner type decks like we talked about before. you This end any damage spell over 10 and having two creatures in play wins the game. Like any of the red board wipes. That are all like relatively playable on their own. Um, so like, oh right, because it goes infinite, right? Because well, no, just all the damage. As long as you have more, as long as there is ten damage being dealt to creatures you control and/or you on a turn. So any of the, if you have five creatures and play this in a Boris Reckoner, and you can target Boris Reckoner with this, all the damage is dealt to Boris Reckoner, which then redirects it to a player. So you just need to get to ten damage or tw- you know twenty damage total to creatures you control, and there's tons of ways to do that. Just having two creatures and one of the spells that does 13 damage to every creature, for instance, does it by itself. You need itself. a
0: few spells, though. You need, like, a Reckoner, this, and damage thing. Like, you Correct. need a Blasphemous
1: but Act. Two of those things are just already playable with each other. Right, like the, a Blasphemous Act and Boris Reckoner deck is not a thing that hasn't been seen before in modern. Right, right, right. So this just cites into that deck as another piece. That's fair. Um, and the last thing before we announce our winner of the G- Gaggle of Gideon's Contest is Gideon's Triumphs, our preview card. We, you spent an entire episode talking about it. I don't think we need to go too yeah, deep into we it. Did we a- will announce the winner. So
0: so just so you guys know, in case you're listening to this but you didn't listen to that episode, the deal was that we were going to pick one listener of the show. Uh, You got multiple entries if you commented, if you subscribed, if you left an iTunes review. Mm -hmm. um, And we were going to pick somebody and give away one of each Gideon up to Gideon Blackway because it wasn't out yet. We didn't know what it was. But all the other Gideons.
1: Right. um, We didn't want to put ourselves into a position where it was a $100 card.
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, But yeah, so there's like five or six other Gideons and so this lucky winner is going to get one copy of each Gideon shipped to you.
1: Yep. And that person is Tass Afras. Tass Afras. Uh, He commented on the YouTube channel. He said, I've actually used Gideon Champion of Justice because I would feel like it would be so cool if you won a game by using the insanely high casting ability.
0: Champion of Justice is the one that I is terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah it's the four we, mana one. We that. spent
0: the whole episode talking about bad it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I would be very excited. Hopefully he wins with the one we give him.
0: Oh, good lord, am I excited about that. I spent the majority of that episode with Michael talking about that. Yep. Um, that th- th- I love it.
1: So congratulations, to Ask for us. Uh We're going to comment on your comment on YouTube, but also if you can message us either on Facebook or Twitter, that we can get in contact with you. Find us so we can help find you and get your address and send you all these sweet gifts. Yep. All right. On to the next card, Gleaming Overseer, Blue Black One Zombie Wizard. When it enters the battlefield at mass one, so it's a uh, one four that creates a one one army token. Uh, zombie tokens you control have hexproof and menace.
0: Really good. I for, think for this deck, really good.
1: I think, yeah, there's 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 something to talk towards that there are a lot of different ways to create a zombie token tribal deck in modern and take advantage of it. And this is probably the best lord that I've seen. It comes with two bodies attached to it and it gives your other zombie tokens, Hexproof and Menace. I know that you love the Flying Spirit that does I that. Do, yeah, yeah, Drogs uh, Captain. So this is kind of a very similar version of this. It doesn't plus the zombies, but the zombies are already kind of beefy. Like, it's not like spirit tokens where you're getting a bunch of 1-1s. Well, like, it's also
0: incidental and funny that uh, I love that. I love... Of that uh, spirit, diagraph captain from that cycle, the zombie lord from that cycle is not as good as this zombie lord. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is like doing an imitation well, of the spirit lord from that cycle because the zombie lord from that cycle, I believe, is two yeah. two. It's diagraph captain. It's a two two for three. I think that gives them all death touch. No, it like, gives like, all, all of them
1: just plus one plus one. I think it just has death touch. Oh really? I don't think it gives death touch. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> this card is much better than that. Um, now it's a little I'm not going to look it up. If it's it's going to be right here, you can see it. Uh, if we're wrong, feel free to tweet at
0: yeah, us. It's called I think it's called uh, Diagraph Captain. Um, Gleaming Overseer is interesting. It's a little wonky because three is really hard to accomplish in tribal decks in modern. Like the but gold being a standard four is
1: not irrelevant. The fact that it can block most things on the ground is pretty big. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think it is. If there's a zombie tokeny deck thing that happens, or if mass becomes a real thing, this card is really good in that deck uh god eternal bantu three black black we're now doing uh the god cycle uh as we mentioned last week's episode the gods of Amenket were killed by bolus it's a big moment and then he made the eternals and they've showed up and are here to do damage everyone but uh i said it last time i'm forgetting what's the red god has right Uh, Died and is here. There's a new red god. We'll talk about that in a second. Three-bug black, legendary creature, zombie god, god eternal Bantu, five-six menace. When god eternal Bantu enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents then draw that many cards. When it dies or is put into the exile for the battlefield, you may put it into your owner's... Library third from the top.
0: So okay, a five six menace for five is fine. Um, it's not modern playable. The second ability is what this card is interesting for. The first ability, oh, yeah, oh, 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 oh. menace being menace the first being part. the first, sure. Second ability: When God Eternal Blonde who enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that oh. many cards. Okay, so let's think about that for a second. Um, there are cards that return sacrificed or gone to the graveyard that turn permanents, like mm-hmm. Face Reward is legal. You can play that. So that's interesting. Is kind of a way to get lots of value and do crazy weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. I mean there are just lots of things that you sacrifice for value like yeah
1: i'm more on the aristocrats train of just like this being the top end you play one of this in your aristocrats deck you're playing other cheaper versions of those effects but when you play this you either just like outright win the game because you have like four blood artists in play and you sacrifice them and they do eight damage to them and you draw four cards like or or no it's what's four times four times four right it's four times four it's 16 damage yep um and then you have a 5-6, like a, a guy that is able to pretty much dodge most removal in the format and do a lot of damage. Um, or just like you get like, yeah, you have like spirit tokens or like other things like Lingering Souls and this gets you four cards and you get a 5-6 Menace. And you could just sacrifice lands. You can play to sacrifice all your lands and draw five cards. Next is God Eternal Kefnet 2 Blue Blue, Zombie God, Legendary Creature, Flying 4-5. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. The copy has costs two less to cast.
0: This card is really good. Um,
1: um, a 4-5 flying for 4-5 at one point in magic history would have been the best creature ever printed. We're, yeah. we're much past that, but it's already a very, very strong rate. Uh, you add the fact, like you add the fact that now it kind of draws you a card every time you get an instant or sorcery, and then miracles that card, uh, yeah. uh, is very powerful. Then add the fact that it also, like if they try killing it, you're just going to get it back in three turns. Um, this card seems really good.
0: This card is most aggressively costed, I think, of these guys because it is the only four drop. Well it's also like the one that when you think about like you said just on rate mm-hmm. you're happy to draw this card mm-hmm. like you're you're gonna probably like do some damage with this card if you just draw it none of the other text even matters because mm-hmm. it's a four or five flyer for four if that's all you're getting you're still pretty stoked and the other ability is great
1: yeah and if you untap with it you gain like either you untap it or you gain value they try giving rid of it and you gain value there's a lot of things that are going
0: going well for you here. Yeah, it costs two less to cast. I mean, the one thing I was saying about this card is that I think I think that that second ability can be a little misleading only because you may cast it if it costs two less, you may cast that is the relevant part. If Costing two less means you have to play more expensive cards to really get the mana reduction value. Well, but that's, like, not something you really
1: want to do. Sure, but like, there are, like, like, Wrath of God effects are already four mana that you can reduce the two that you're playing. You get, um, obviously, guess, you kill this, but it gets put back on top of your deck.
0: I guess, a th- I guess three mana cryptic command is fine. Yep. Like, but, like, it doesn't... I guess in my mind, I'm like, okay, how can you take advantage of the second ability the most? And it's by playing things that have two colorless symbols in their casting cost. And in modern, it's like... That doesn't really exist. Uh, if but, Factor like, Fiction one man is is fine.
1: Like Factor Fiction, well not even Factor Fiction. Like just gifts I'm un- given with this. Gifts is great. If Factor uh, Fiction gets printed a burial in, rights with this is really good.
0: Factor Fiction getting printed into Modern Horizons, which is probably going to happen, uh, would be really good.
1: I don't... Probably seems really strong, but that's
0: like one of the that's one of the cards that I
1: have a big yeah, strong yeah. feeling about. I, I I do think just like a gifts deck with this actually an Esper gifts deck lingering souls off of this is really good too. Like there's like
0: lingering souls off this is amazing. Yeah,
1: like that's that's like a big play.
0: One mana Lingering Souls?
1: Hold you get one mana Lingering Souls, and you get to keep the original Lingering Souls, so you get six tokens off of that card for six mana.
0: that's I, so I just sold you on the card.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, God Eternal Alketra, three white white legendary creature zombie card. It has double strike. It's like three six. Uh, whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. Um... 5-man a lot. It does a lot. This card is very powerful. I can't imagine you losing with this in play and untapping. I agree, yeah. Uh But playing this card and untapping in a deck that's playing creatures seems hard.
0: I mean, if it cost 4 and was a 2-4, I would be way more stoked. <laughs> if, if every number on this was reduced
1: by 1... Including making double strike even into first strike, I think this could be making playable. a
0: three-three instead of a four-four. Yeah, four, yeah,
1: I yeah. would be so even much. Happy. All of it was reduced by one, and if you get to keep double strike, you gravy. But yeah, I agree.
0: It's just a little out of range, but you know, in like your Aha, uh-huh, she's shooting a bow out of range. Nice. Things that cost five with with. We're this was maybe
1: about. the coolest story reveal in Magic history. Did you see that when this happened? No. So the 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 story moment is Gideon asks a Pegasus if it could ride it to kill uh to kill Nicol Bolas. Gets on the Pegasus, rides it. Oketra shoots the Pegasus, so Gideon just like falling through the air, and he, Rakdos picks him up, and he rides Rakdos to go take on Nicol Bolas.
0: Demon Lord of Riots, Rakdos.
1: Yeah, like the god of the Rakdos. Oh wow! Pr- and so it's like there's this cool card, but we're not going to review it because it's like a it's like a plus Gideon's, two and right, flying. Practice? Yeah, sounds pretty cool. And then and then Nickelblast like slaps him down, breaks the sword.
0: Uh, I was going to say with the printing, of... we're going to talk about Neoform in a little bit, but
1: uh, next week it's the first card we talk about in the third episode. Uh, Sorry,
0: but the printing of that and like Eldritch Revolution and things like that make so,
1: some of these bigger guys more. The more, more of
0: those that they do, the more you're like, all right, in a creature deck, like I could see playing this.
1: I think if like raiding the gods, if God Turnal Kefnet currently is my number one pick, I think. God Eternal Ronus is actually probably the most likely to see play, and the second, and and is the best pick of these so gods. Let's
0: talk about God Eternal Ronus.
1: Three green, green legendary creature, zombie god. God Eternal Ronus is a five-five with death touch. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it's double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. They gain vigilance until end of turn. Um,
0: it has that like Santa double power thing going
1: for to it. all creatures. So it's, yeah. it's 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 a um. A castable version of Crater Hoof Behemoth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you already have an army that you want to just get big, this wins the game. Also, in and a, Five mana for that effect is I think people cast.
0: Well, also, I mean, one. Green doesn't deal with Vigilance that often, but in a deck like you're talking about where Green wants to tap its creatures to generate mana, yeah. but also wants to attack, mm-hmm. Vigilance is pretty relevant.
1: Yeah, you know, like you can cast this in Elves, attack with the team other than the Elf that you use to cast this guy and then tap them for mana to uh cast something amazing cast a tutor spell or collect a company or you know there's like it makes math so much harder for your opponent yeah just like playing this attacking with all your elves and then they block and then you collect a company and get two lords in the play.
0: Well, like, also be, Also because that? he's his ability is an enter the battlefield ability, mm-hmm. killing him and putting him third from the top is so much worse for your head. Yes, because you just keep getting the, the double effect. Like recasting kefnet or Oketra is like fine. Recasting this is exactly what you want. To do.
1: Yeah. You uh, Bantu's close, like you want to rebuy that sacrifice effect. But yes, this is easily the best for that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um God Pharaoh's statue, six mana legendary artifact, spells your opponent's cast. Uh, cost two more to cast. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses one life. This was Nick Prince's number one pick for the set. Really? He he thought this card makes Tron possibly too powerful.
0: Just Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know this. Because on
1: turn three, your opponent n- no longer can cast spells.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose, because I was actually, I hadn't thought about this card from Modern when I first looked at it. I think the reason I thought about this and like dismissed it was because our buddy Eric... Sent me an image of this card and was like, New finisher, land destruction, Highlander. I was like, Stupid six mana card. <laughs> that is the I was like, I was like, this card's terrible. Play never- <laughs> <playing> this <laughs> on
1: turn three to make it so that every land destruction spell costs four mana in the format. Every, at best, every removal spell costs three. The best enchantment re- artifact removal costs four.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, the losing life is like irrelevant.
1: And then you buy yourself three turns of yeah. like. And three turns of, and through three turns... Probably
0: casting at least a Planeswalker.
1: Nine, twelve, at least thirty mana.
0: (laughs) I mean, in Tron, generally speaking, like, when you're playing against them and they start to hit their, like, Tron, you're like, okay, do I have enough ways to interact with you and stop you or kill you in time? And, like, each turn you're like, what giant thing are you going to play this turn? So,
1: like this, this wins the game against most decks in a way that even Karn doesn't currently. Because, yeah. like, Karn, they can play it and then you'll just lose the Phoenixes. Yeah. They play this, Phoenix can't play spells anymore. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty
0: strong play. The fact
1: that a card that we will be reviewing later in the episode can find this out of your sideboard, even, is like an entire next level.
0: Yeah, it's, it's. I w- Tron's already so good. I wonder if this is going to be the thing that gets like a p- like. I wonder if this is going to be the thing that like bands. I think this set.
1: I think this set could put Tron over the edge.
0: Yeah, ancient stoners get banned. Probably that's the card.
1: Yeah, maybe be- like Wizards has been much more on the like ban cards out of decks that are problematic. I could just see like a Tron piece getting banned, or uh, actually Expedition Map more. Really? Yeah, the colorless ability to find land, like find lands. That's the card that I think I would ban if I'm trying to hit Tron, but not like hurt every deck that's playing Ancient Stirrings, which is what Wizards has been on the train of recently. Yeah. Like, I, I banned Expedition Map over this. Like, that's the card that, like, lets every color play Tron or lets Tron be colorless. Like... And,
0: yeah, and hits your turn three, Tron. Which
1: means that you don't have to play with Badlands. Like, there's, like, a lot Because of-
0: Map, yeah, Map's a little more random. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: Um... Heartwarming Redemption, two red, white, instant. Discard all cards in your hand, then draw that many cards, plus one. You gain, life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, this card does a lot. Uh, it is also the first time I think I've, like, teared up a little bit while reading a magic card.
0: Kithion had known war every day of his life. Now he finally knew peace. So this is the card that it confirms Gideon
1: is dead. Oh. So those are his best friends when they were kids that were all murdered because Gideon was, like... Thought he was better than a god, and then the black god, and Theros killed him, all of his buddies, and he survived, and they walked to get, like, that's when his planeswalker sparked.
0: So he's dead, and he's now in heaven? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this revealed. Like, Gideon is confirmed dead. Unlike Dak, who, like, we don't know.
0: I love you, but I want to make fun of you so much for being a nerd. But I'm not going to. It's, I'm this, just going to. Are you saying fun you didn't? Ca-
1: well, you're going to cry tonight during whatever Marvel movie you're going to no. watch? <laughs> Tears everywhere, bawling. Probably, <laughs> probably. I've heard. I've heard that. Uh, this card, from a play perspective, is also just really powerful. Like instant speed. Uh, you you windfall your hand. You discard your hands. You go. You know. You you net neutral. Normally, this type of effects you net down because it discard your card and draw how many cards you discarded. But you draw one extra one, which replaces the heartwarming redemption. But it takes the turn-off, but you gain life. Like the life this is the type of card that life gain is so important for because you get to like basically sculpt your hand to be better. And then but because you took your turn-off, normally you're like, oh, I took like six damage and that wasn't worth it. This by gaining life time walks your opponent's attack step while also putting you in a better position. Not to mention all the cards you just discarded that hopefully you're getting value off of.
0: I don't know what deck this is necessarily like amazing in, but I had for the longest time experimented with like a weird Goblin Electromancer Baral flashback deck mm-hmm. in modern. Uh, I do like the idea of playing like an Electromancer on turn two and then right. end of turn on turn three, discarding all your flashback spells yeah. for three, drawing the card, and like now your graveyard's just full of value. Or
1: just like, like, oh, like casting this in dredge is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs>
1: like, here's all my dredgers, and now I dredge all of them. Yeah. Like, I think you might kill, like, you might be able to win just off of like a combo play with Lad Maniac or the new Jace, which we won't yeah. talk about until in a second. Um, Yeah, I think this card's really cool, and it's like out of the color pie normally, like red-white normally doesn't do this. Uh, Hawatli the Sunsart, two green-white, legendary Planeswalker Huatli, each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. You gain life equal to the greatest toughness among creatures you control. Um, There's two things that make this interesting. One is that just like we now have a lot of different ways to make that toughness thing work. I think this is better than some of the other ones that are out there just because... Gaining life is better than an enchantment is there that a does nothing.
0: Blue one now, or something. There's
1: a blue green one. They now made this a thing that they're willing Assault to print a Athen, lot.
0: Doran, this blue green one.
1: And a blue green one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, glad that this is an effect they're playing with more. It's really popular. Uh, one other thing: Huatli being on uh, Theros, or sorry, Hwatlly being on Ravnica has now given the Simic dinosaur creature type. Right. Because dinosaurs did not exist on Ravnica before this set. Now there are many dinosaurs on Ravnica for Hawatli just being there.
0: Can I just ask a noob question? Yeah. From the perspective of, like, story and all that, why is this, like, Time Spiral 2? What's the deal with the whole, like, they're going to every plane and doing things? Is, like, more of a spark? There's, like,
1: all the planeswalkers from every ninety percent of planeswalkers ever printed are on Ravnica at the same time.
0: So that's the deal. It's like it's, it's pieces of all the different sets from the last. 10 because years.
1: they're all from different places, so like they're all different. Yeah, they're all here.
0: Conf- confirmation that I pay zero 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 attention to story. So you don't
1: know, like you don't, you didn't even pay attention. Like this has been the biggest story moment in Magic's history.
0: There's a set coming out called War of the Spark. I saw a trailer. It had some characters I recognize and a Linkin Park song. Got and it. I'm excited for the cards. Okay, that's so, yeah. where I'm at.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is the biggest story <laughs> event in Magic
0: history. Got it. Okay.
1: Okay. The, the biggest thing they pulled off. Uh, next, up is,
0: next up is next up is Raptor. Uh, no. Are you not talking about Whateley's Raptor? You can talk about Whateley's Raptor. We'll talk about it for ten seconds. It's a green white Whateley's Raptor two three vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, proliferate. I think that's sweet. It's a two three creature for I think two it's proliferates.
1: Worse than the lion and or the token card that's a three three for two, and that card is not played anywhere. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> There's other really good proliferate effects, but I think proliferate needs to be repeatable. Don't have to be a
0: jerk about it. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Dinosaurs, like, we could get a dinosaur octopus crab next set that we go to Ravnica. That's what I'm hyped about. <laughs> Let's talk about Ignite the Beacon. Uh, Ignite the Beacon is four and a white instant. Search your library up the two Planeswalker cards, reveal them, and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Uh, it's an instant. And that's the only reason this is relevant. I thought this was a sorcery. and then when I was doing this card selection, I realized it's an instant. Uh, getting a Gideon and a Teferi, or a Teferi and a Jace, uh, at the end of your opponent's turn and then untapping and being able to cast one of those cards?
0: This card will be fine right up until the moment where they print a second Planeswalker that costs three that combos with another three mana Planeswalker to win the game. And then it'll and be then it'll too be good. Really good. Because yeah. then it'll be end of turn I just get my win condition and mm-hmm. win if I hit my six land run. I, I,
1: I think it's I think this is the best Planeswalker Tutor printed. I think this is much more of a Commander card or even Highlander Roulette card than it is necessarily modern, but I think it even has fringe modern playable factors. This is a Johnny calling all the Planeswalkers to Ravnica so that they show up, but then they get trapped by the Immortal Sun, which is what's on top of Hollowed Fountain.
0: Ah, got it. The Immortal Sun. From Axelon. Okay, sweet.
1: That's what trapped all of them there. Cool. Remember when I talked about Angrath last episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, Next, the last god, Urgarg. I'm never going to say that name correctly. The boar. Way easier to say. Three red red legendary creature, boar god. Uh, Trample when Urgarg, the boar attacks. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. It's a 6-6. It has the god ability where it gets put on the three from the top. I think this card's playable.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because it's like, okay, so it's a 6-6 six, six trample for 5, which is fine on its own. You're, like, okay casting that and attacking. And obviously, when you attack, if you have some combo card in your hand that's going to, like, just crush, like, an Emrakul, awesome. But you still have to cast a 5-mana creature that doesn't have haste, so, like... It also does it with Primeval Titan. No, I mean, like, I, 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 I totally understand, like, but in the vein of, in the vein of Through the Breach, it's just, like... If I'm gonna spend five mana for something You'd that the doesn't do anything, sure. and I have to untap with it to do anything, I don't see this card ever seen play. Okay, I think it's I think it's just a little weak. Okay, no, you think I'll see play? Every card
1: that's ever been able to cheat Emrakul in play has been interesting to look at. This does that.
0: <laughs> What's the biggest thing that's going to exist in standard? Because this will, if there's something great in standard, probably, but.
1: Oh, uh, there's a few different targets, I'd imagine. I mean, in Highlander Roulette, I'm going to play the crap out of this card. Yeah, it makes sense. Because uh, we'll it can cheat Embercle into play. We'll more three yeah. Yeah. uh Interplaner Beacon. Whenever you cast a Planeswalker spell, you gain one life. Add a colorless by tapping it. One, tap it. Add two mana of any of different colors. Spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker spells.
0: That's cool. It's cool that there's going to be a Planeswalker Tribal Land. Like, yeah.
1: um, uh, if there's a planeswalker deck that is more than two colors this is playable sometimes
0: and 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 the uh card type specific lands over the years some have seen play some haven't like ancient ziggurat didn't see play for like 10 years right now it's like a four of yeah you know like you uh one of these days uh, uh pillar of the parents or something is going to see play or primal beyond <laughs> like, and like this, this is card just in will, the
1: same people will play this card it's never going to be exciting it's going to do exactly what you expected to do but it's always going to just be like What's cool about it and what's a little powerful in a Planeswalker deck is like Planeswalker cards are all inherently life gain cards because the best way to get rid of them is to attack them, which means that you're not being attacked, which means you're getting life off of this. This increases that effect because every Planeswalker cast is also actually gaining you life. So it like is just kind of a double rubbins. The rubbins. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the Interplanar beacon. This is what's calling everyone.
0: You're explaining the cards to me now.
1: The every card is a story <laughs> moment. That's why it's so big. Uh, invade the city. One blue, red. a mask, X or X is the amount of instance indoor sorcery cards in your graveyard. That's it. It's a sorcery. It's a three mana. However many instances of sorceries you have.
0: It's fine. Just a three mana. Get a big creature. But yeah, it's fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big creature. Can get really big.
1: Uh, sorcery I think, though, I think it's. I think the the bigger. the Drake is better.
0: Um was. Urza, Academy Headmaster, the first uh, Wooburg Planeswalker. It, was the,
1: it is still the only Wooburg Planeswalker. There's not a Wooburg Planeswalker in this set? No, there's only an unglued one. There is a Wooburg niv Oh, that's what I was mixing which up. Which is dope. I thought, yeah, okay. Um, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. One blue, 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 blue. Three blue. One, one colors, Four mana. Uh, legendary Planeswalker Jace. It has the static ability of if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. Uh, It has a plus ability of target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard and draws a card. It has a minus eight of draw seven cards. Then if your library has no cards in it, you win the game. Now, uh, when this card was previewed, it was one of the first cards previewed. People were kind of confused about why is the minus eight and the stack ability redundant. And the reason is, is that if you minus eight and it didn't have the redundancy, you would lose the game, not win it because the static ability would no longer be relevant because you would be sacrificing Jace to do it. So they had to put it on both ends so that it worked even if you ultimated.
0: Ah, uh, and this uh, is, this is the card. H-Watley
1: also, not H-Watley, Uh I forget the name. We'll get to it. This is also the card the that, that, does uh, that
0: combos with Thoughtlash to win the game. Um. Why? Isn't that the case? Didn't we talk about that? thoughtlash? What's the word, thoughtlash? No, Thought Lash, the card from the Alliance's card. What does what it do? <laughs> we talked about this. I bought a bunch of them because it was tweeted about. Oh, right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, you, you look at that while I talk about why this is cool. I mean, what's cool about this is that the this is the second time this effect has been printed. The first one was... What's the creature that does this? I just mentioned it earlier. Laboratory Maniac. Laboratory Maniac. Um, this is a card that is more playable than, I think, a three-mana Laboratory Maniac. The fact that this... Uh, lets you put cards in your graveyard and draws you a card every turn while also creating this threat of, like, you get to draw a bunch of cards or if my deck goes away, I I win the game. Having two versions of that effect is also really powerful. You can be a little bit more redundant on it. Um, I think this is really strong.
0: Thoughtlash is an alliance's rare. It's on a reserve list. It's blue-blue 2, cumulative upkeep, exile the top card of your library. Um, Whenever, when a player doesn't pay Thoughtlash's cumulative upkeep, uh, sorry. Yeah, I saw your whole... uh, it has a it has a an ability for zero. Remove the top card of your library from the game. Prevent one damage to you. That's the point. So oh, you it, can just
1: you can just remove your
0: hold. You can exile your entire library and just ultimate.
1: As long as there's a damage being dealt.
0: Uh no. Prevent. Yeah, you have to target that damage,
1: right? Or no? Or is it prevent the next?
0: The next one. Damage. Oh cool.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. so you just win the game. Yeah. So yeah. Thought
0: Lash. and it's they're cool. both blue. So and they're cost four. And with force of will, I think it just in. And like I say, this was like a discussion. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but I think I think Jace
1: Wilder Mysteries is gonna see a ton of play across many formats, just because that top like same reason that Laboratory Maniac is played everywhere, and especially in singleton formats where you like having two of an effect is really good. This is really good. In modern, he does a lot of different things. I can see him seeing play. Jaya venerated fire mage four and a red J- legendary planeswalker Jaya. If another red source you control would deal one damage to a permanent or player, it deals that much damage plus one, uh, to that permanent or player. Instead minus two deal two damage. It's a f- five loyalty. So it can just deal two damage to any target twice. So it's like two shocks. Um, this effect exists in modern. doesn't really see much play. The fact that it comes with the planeswalker with removal spells is cool. I'm good. Moving on.
0: It's an uncommon. This will be a, probably a first pick in and limited. I yeah, would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: it's a room it's a double removal spell yep. um Jiang young wildcrafter this is another one uh two green each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter adds a, a one mana of any color uh, you can put a creature uh, plus one plus one counter on any creature I can see this being like taking one of the plus one plus one counter decks and making it kind of like an elves esque like combo piece like you can i feel like eventually if doesn't already exist there's a way to go infinite with this card
0: well you uh you said it uh, adds what it's saying just to clarify for those on audio um Gives your creatures the ability to tap for one mana of any color. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it, it's interesting. I mean, this this does what uh, Rishkar Pima Renegade does, mm-hmm. except it's for any color instead of just green. Um, and he can. This one has. He comes down on three and minus is one or minus is two to give three. one. So it can give three plus one, two
1: plus one plus one counters. It literally does what
0: Rishkar does in two turns can do it three times. So it kills itself to do it a third yeah, time, yeah, so right? you get
1: three counters out of it. They no longer can tap for mana. Oh,
0: he has to be play once for the ability is gone. Tamping. Got it. Yeah. Um, Pretty strong, though. Pretty strong. If you
1: have creatures that already have the counter, all of them can tap for any color. So yeah. I think there's, there's reasons to talk towards that.
0: I think there's going to be an explosion of, um, like, plus one, plus one counter effect type of interactions that we start to see. There's just so many. A lot. And between the last couple sets, too, like... Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like, and this is a bad example because this won't see play, but like take something like Herald of Secret Streams, the four mana merfolk, mm-hmm. that creatures you control with counters on them can't be blocked. Like the number of effects like that that now exist over Magic's history and the amount of things that are just like implementing counters, I think you're going to start to see weird interactions that you never saw coming.
1: Speaking of counters, yep. Karn's Bastion, land, uh, tap data colorless, untapped uh, when it enters the play, uh, four mana tap proliferate.
0: This is sweet.
1: Uh, This was the Professor's top five, one of his top five cards in the set for Modern. Um, This card does a lot. I think out of Infect, it lets you kind of end game them if they are able to kill all your creatures. Out of like Affinity, it lets you kind of do the same thing if you need to. Out of Affinity, it's really good with all your other cards. It's good with a Planeswalker deck. It's really versatile. I think it's a little slow um so like
0: historically um when you look at like proliferate and how it's existed in the past because anybody who's ever like loved proliferate has done the search the keyword search mm-hmm. and one of the cards you always come across is um the contagion clasp, right which is two mana artifact when it enters the battlefield put up a minus one minus one counter on target creature and then for four mana I untap it proliferates mm-hmm. the fact that this doesn't have the minus one minus one but is a land and just does the same exact thing and it's an untapped land is like proof of Okay, we wanted to push proliferate. Like, right. that, is, that, is the, that is the definition right there. It's not even a legendary land, right?
1: Uh, it is not. It is just a
0: regular land. You can play more of these than one. Yeah, pretty good. Well, but, like, they're not, they're not better in. No, no, I'm not saying you'd activate more than one. I'm saying you can play four in your main deck because they're not legendary. You're drawing it. They're not legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, There's no cost to not
1: having it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Next, and we've said this a few times, but this is one of the best cards in the set. (laughs) Uh, If not the best, Karn the Great Creator. Four mana for a five loyalty Planeswalker, legendary Planeswalker Karn, activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated uh plus one until your next turn up to one target non-creature artifact because an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to the converted mana cost uh, each equal to its converted mana cost minus two you may choose an artifact card you own from outside of the game or in exile reveal the card reveal the card and put it into your hand um in if you have 11 mana in tron and you cast this card and you have a Microsynth Lattice in your sideboard, you uh, make it so your opponent no longer can win the game. That's why Microsynth Lattice bumped. So for, oh no, sorry, 10 mana, not 11, 10 mana. So Microsynth Lattice, for those who don't know, is a six mana artifact. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. So people, they can can no
0: longer tap their lands. Let me read the card for people listening. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> all permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types all cards that aren't on the battlefield spells and permanents are colorless players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color um the key point here being all their lands are artifacts they no longer can activate those abilities it's not no mana of abilities it's all abilities
0: wow that's pretty good
1: so and his minus two so you have this you have michael sent in on your sideboard you play karn with 10 mana, so it's the turn four with trom pieces and another Tron piece, you minus two, get it, put it into play, and they can still attack Karn. Like, if they have creatures on play already, they can still attack, so that's the one thing you have to be wary of, but otherwise, you lock them out. And if they do have creatures, instead of getting Michael Synthletus, you can get any other artifact you want to stop their creatures from attacking Wow. You.
0: So, like, this is just, this set is going to push Tron over the edge. Like, yeah. Tron's going to have...
1: This card more than the... Like, the other one is one of the pieces. Like, because Karn can, for six mana, also get that card. Yeah. And still win. And he can minus the next turn. So he could, like, Karn, Mycosynth Lattice, and then get a win condition. Like, there's...
0: He also can gonna work minus well to make that thing. Or the Lattice into a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. <laughs> So he just like locks
1: you or out. Plus, it is not even minus. Plus to make it and then he into a six six. Plus is an
0: attack with the six yeah. yeah.
1: This is so good. And not to mention, just the ability is generically good. Like there's a bunch of artifacts that I want to shut down my opponents from playing on four. And the fact that it can make your like expedition map or other one drop like or other artifacts the deck is playing, which yeah. it plays artifacts into just creatures that can block for it because it's until the next turn, right? It just
0: ends affinity, right?
1: Uh, until your next turn. that's just en- this just ends affinity. Uh, Stony Silence is bad time. for affinity. Yeah. Um and, and that's just Tron. Like the fact that it can do all these things outside of Tron is also relevant. Any deck can play Stony Silence now. It only costs 4. Yeah. And then you get you get the minus 2 which means you just get artifacts like good hate cards. Like it's a great sideboard wish card. Really, really good. Yeah, really. Good. Um Kazmina Casmina Enigmatic Mentor. Three and a blue. Legendary planeswalker. Casmina. New card. New new character. Five loyalty planeswalker. Spells your opponents cast that targeted creature or planeswalker you control costs two more to cast. And it minus two is to create a two-two wizard creature token. Draw a card, then discard a card. That second ability is three abilities. It's a lot of words. (laughs) Uh, I think it's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like getting a a a two-two blue wizard creature. I like drawing a card. I don't like discarding a card as much. I like discarding a card a lot. Yeah, well, you love that stuff. But you're also, it's, not, it's also not creating card advantage. It's creating card selection. Sure.
1: But also, and then it then protects your creatures and planeswalkers from targeted spells. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, Kaya's Ghost Form. One black enchant Arya. Enchant creature or planeswalker you control. When enchant pyramid dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. Um. So one thing that this does give you the ability to do is ultimate or minus Planeswalkers and then get them back immediately afterwards. So it gets you lets you rebuy Planeswalkers or creatures. Uh, it's the first time that's been done. Um, I think this card is... People were really excited about it when it came out. I think there's a few combos with it as well. Um, I think it's just low enough on the power level that it won't see play. It's a little bit win more. It's
0: also like just barely... Um, the difference between returning into the battlefield under your control and returning into the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. The Correct. difference in keyword is everything. Yep. Well that's um, partially
1: because they don't want you to be able to just like like double use a planeswalker, right?
0: No, no. That's the the fact Oh, it's under your control immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that's they do. Deal. Yeah, yeah. Normally this effect would be an end step effect. Right. Yeah. So that's it's particularly
1: cool. The fact that you, yeah, now you get to rebuy the planeswalker. It's the opposite. They want you to be able to use your planeswalker twice. Exactly. Exactly. Um now, Kaya bane of the Dead, three black, white, black, white, black, white, hybrid cards so it's six mana total. Uh, legendary planes or Kaya, seven, loyalty. Your opponent's impermanence, your opponent's control with hexproof can't beat the target. Can't beat the target of the spells, abilities your control as though they didn't have hexproof, so it deletes hexproof. Uh minus three exile target creature. This won't see play in modern unless there's a sideboard need for this. Like card there's is, not so many ways to get out of hexproof. Is that a land modern legal? This card is bad. <laughs> ben, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Kiora Behemoth Beckoner. Two, green, blue, legendary Planeswalker. Kiora, when a very creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Minus one, untapped target permanent, seven loyalty. Of all of the cards in the set, when I asked Twitter what card people were most excited about from this set, this was the number one answer.
0: So interesting, because, like, it's... Fine. We've had yeah. this effect before, right? Isn't this Triumph of Ferocity? Isn't that what I this think,
1: card is? But it's not... Traffic Veracity was an enchantment that came into play and did nothing. This, like, like it protects itself kind of because you can use the Birds of Paradise you use to play it. Like, people, I think, are excited about it in mono green decks yeah. too. Because the <laughs> untapping ability of mono green.
0: It's fine. I, I think, like, I like that it's blue green. It's and technically
1: like, a two mana walker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
1: It's, it's interesting. I, I mean, the same way that Teferi is, a three mana walker. Because it untaps the lands.
0: It has high loyalty, which mm-hmm. is good. Like the fact that it comes down early and you don't have to necessarily protect it because they probably won't be able to kill it that fast right. is pretty good.
1: But like playing this on turn two in a mono green stompy deck is I think what people are excited about because you get because every other card in the deck is a four or right. greater power, so you're gonna draw a lot of cards off of it and the fact that it does a land of effect, the fact that it can protect itself by untapping things, I think it just does a lot of little things that people like. It's interesting, I agree. When I saw the card, I wasn't that excited about it, but mm. the fact that, the you know, I, I am also not a mono-green stompy expert, so...
0: If this was somehow a creature, like this untapping my Aether Vial that puts my Mere Superior in play, that draws a card, He's and like, then allows me to draw a card and, like, play another Mere Superior? Sure. The fact that you can't cast it off of Mere. <laughs> yeah. It's almost there. Almost there.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh Krenko Tin Street Kingpin two and a red legendary creature goblin. Whenever Krenko Tin Street Kingpin attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, then create a number of one one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krenko's power. The thing that's exciting here is that I they, they really want goblins to be a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean this card is good. I, I like this card. I like this card. He's he does things right away. I mean, his only his only issue is that he doesn't he doesn't attack, he doesn't have haste. Yeah. So if you if have haste you a little
1: bit of it, but he's a two-three that, that gets that's a two three that when he attacks gets two one one tokens.
0: Yeah, like there's it's pushed. I mean, yeah. I think And then Rob- every turn
1: you get more tokens. Yeah.
0: Is Rabble Master still just definitely better?
1: I don't know if it is. Like the fact that you don't have to attack with the tokens you get means that he doesn't he doesn't have the Rabble Master problem where like he gets capped out. The fact that he if you can make him bigger like it's power. So give him, like the Bone Splitter thing you were talking about before. Yeah. Give any way to make him bigger, he gets much better. And the fact that the like. Rabble Master gets one token a turn. He gets two tokens the first turn he attacks. Three tokens the second turn he attacks. Four turns the next token time he attacks.
0: Him and the other guy with... I was just thinking about the, the example I used with mm-hmm. Become Immense. One Become Immense that pluses the creature then allows you to you recast... Get eight,
1: eight, one, with eight. Become Immense, this makes 8 one, one tokens.
0: No, no, no. Is, is it with the other creature, can't you attack... You become immense pre combat. Yeah. You then attack, and it allows you to recast become immense. Yes. You double become I immense. I think
1: so. Right. Does what's becoming immense is converted mana cost?
0: Seven. I think.
1: Uh, no, it's six. I think it's six. It's six. So yeah. Yeah.
0: That's sick. So
1: you could have both attack with this. That's like a good thing.
0: I mean, this seems worse because this costs three, and like you're not going to attack till turn four.
1: The other thing is that most goblin lords give goblins haste
0: uh um, yes dread horde arcanist and he has trample which is like yeah, yeah that's so nuts that's really cool that's so cool mm-hmm. and, and you like, already
1: want to be casting a bunch of small spells you to turn already off want delve. Looting to yeah. get your delve going i don't think it's good with krenko but i, I think it's really good with
0: that seems so he's, he's talking about uh
1: dread horde arcanist we mm-hmm. talked about it last week on the podcast so go watch that episode
0: that's like means very that means very likely that on turn three you can 13 them mm-hmm. if you like set your deck up correctly yeah, you have to not exile to become immense. No, no, you that would never. Um,
1: to do it on turn three, it's you you like have a, on turn one mill two cards. Co- uh, fetch land looting. Fetch land, faithless looting, or fetch land the one mana get two cards blue. Thought
0: Thoughtscour. Thought Scour. Yeah.
1: So that puts one, two, three, three four. four cards in your graveyard. Turn two, you play him. Turn three, any fetch land in that time or anything, and become immense. You win. Yeah.
0: Well, you do thirteen. That's. And, and in fact, if you have like a double strike spell, you just absolutely win.
1: You win with, that's the thing you win with, yeah. Or a yeah. pump spell, yeah. Or something really that gives him,
0: in fact, like...
1: Uh, also putting your opponent at 13 on turn three is generally going to win you the game.
0: Especially if you're like playing bolts and stuff.
1: Yeah, just like any, especially with this guy, you want to play bolts anyways. Yeah. I like this guy. Makes a red, green, stompy.
0: Maybe we should buy this guy.
1: <laughs> uh, Liliana's Triumph, one in a black... Uh, each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you control a Lily on a Planeswalker, each opponent also discards a card. This card's insane.
0: This card is really, really good. Um, Instant
1: it's, Speed Edict that like requires you to play the most planes, played Planeswalker in modern
0: history to then make them discard a card. Yes. It, this card, like, the double, if you get two, in fact, I like almost all the Triumphs. Funny, the red one I think is the worst one. Uh, I, like the, I like the green one I don't too. I like the
1: blue one. It it's draw? draw two cards or draw three cards if you have a jace. Ah, okay. you know What I don't need to do when I have a jace in play. Yeah. Well, I, I like I do need to draw cards, but Jace is doing that for me. <laughs> this
0: one and the green one are my two favorites. Yeah. Yeah. The both green both one's the insane. Thing. Yeah. They're both really
1: good. Uh, this card's really good. I even like ours. I like Gideon Triumph. I like that yeah. card is very playable. Uh, next card <laughs> and the main character of the set. And if you look at the Japanese promos, the best art. Of all of them, uh, Liliana, Dreadhorde General, four black, black Liliana, Planeswalker, uh six loyalty. When she comes in, whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. Um, plus one, create a two-two black zombie creature token. Minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures. Minus nine, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Um, right now, a lot of people are comparing her to Elspeth, Sun's Champion. There are differences, but in they're all kind of like not necessarily which one is better or which one's worse. For instance, Elizabeth's plus three it, plus one is better than Liliana's plus one of getting two two zombies, one two two zombie versus three one ones. I'd much rather have three one ones, but it's not that far off. But the fact that you draw cards whenever a creature dies and the fact that you can then minus four immediately to have them sacrifice two creatures, uh, and you sacrifice creatures that you have, the gain value means that she can come in on six and draw four cards, r- kill two creatures of theirs, and then on the next turn start just protecting herself with zombies.
0: She's pushed, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's nice that the minus, that the, the sacrifice two creatures ability is like, I'm going to play this six drop that does a lot of damage to the board, but then also draws me a bunch of cards. Yep. Is like, that's like right off the bat, just like I can imagine. If creatures you
1: control, so it's not their creatures. Sorry, I read that wrong. So you have to have the creatures in play, but it lets you sacrifice your creatures the gain those. I still think it's good. I think like I think in Jun decks, if decks were looking to play as Sun Champion that were grindy, Jun now has that tool that they didn't have before. Makes sense. Uh, Living Twister. I'm so excited about this card. Red, red, green, creature elemental. One and a red. Dis- it's a 2-5, uh, which is super relevant. <laughs> uh, one and a red, discard a land card. Living Twister deals 2 damage to any target maybe discard a land card due to damage to any target is a pretty big list of favorite words to be on a magic card of mine. Baby, uh, baby, Bo-
0: like baby Borgamos or something? Baby
1: Borgamos or I kind of wish this was just a legendary Borgamos at three mana. I understand why that wasn't going to be a thing they did. And it feels like it might have been for a while and yeah. they decided they weren't allowed to print a three mana Borgamos or they like realized that he dies in the story or something. Interesting. Um, you One green return a tapped land, you control to its owner's hand.
0: This card is, I mean, this card is really good.
1: 2-5 uh, for 3. That does a lot of these, like, this is a type of deck that I think is on the verge of always being playable. And the more pieces we have towards that, the closer it gets. Uh, and I love all of these pieces. It's a little expensive. Obviously, I wish it was one mana to discard a land to do two damage. But the fact that you can play it on 2-5, you can just do things in the late game. You can just return a bunch of these lands you're not using to just throw at your opponent. It seems really strong. Yeah. Uh... Massacre Girl, three black, black legendary creature, human assassin, menace. When Massacre Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn.
0: I love the design on this
1: card. It's really cool. It's really
0: cool. It's um, I, like this more fun and probably like a, this is like probably a commander all star. I'm guessing like somebody in commanders would well, just like love this card. Yes.
1: Well, there's also not a lot of um, creatures that enter the battlefield in board wipe unconditionally, and she conditionally does it but uh, the condition is a really cool and be like pretty easy to make work yeah yeah yeah
0: for sure um, just, so it, if just mul- don't get it just it,
1: multiplies it what it does is that uh the minus one minus if there's a one one creature that means all two two creatures are going to die because then it does one additional minus one and if there's a two two creature then all three three creatures like it, basically it steps
0: up the the power cost and so it can chain react which is really cool yeah, I just think the design's cool. Yeah. This is this is a great example of like the people that work at Wizards being like, "Oh, this is a fun idea that's never been done." Yeah. Cool. Even if this is like less competitive tier 1, this is like a really fun what effect. I think, and I think
1: she's a uh, standard all-star. Standard, she's probably good. I think she makes a lot of X1s no longer playable in standard by existing. And in limited, I'm sure she's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Unlimited, she's a bomb. Yeah. A board wipe in limited is a bomb and she comes attached to a 4/4 menace buddy. Uh Mayhem Devil, one red black. Uh, creature Devil 3-3, three, three. so 3 for 3 uh, Whenever a player sacrifices a permanent, permanent Mayhem Devil deals one damage to any target. Um, two things, it's any permanent, so fetch lands trigger this. Uh, two, it is any target, which means that you can hit Planeswalkers, creatures, or players. So you can, with this in play, fetch a land to kill
0: creatures. Yes, and this is also becomes an engine card that allows you to do... Any number, like, there, there's a ton of combos over the years that I mean, are just, like, lo- useless loop sacrifice trigger effects that don't actually do anything where you need, like, a third thing in play. Yeah, this um, can be that third thing.
1: There's there's a bunch of different cool, cute things you can do here that are really powerful. Um, and it's just, like, it's another good aristocrat's blood artist effect that, yep. like, you know, they just printed the other one in the last set, uh, the red-black one that gives all your creatures plus one, plus one, or plus one, plus zero. I'm forgetting her name. Oh, oh. Creature.
0: Uh... D- Diva?
1: Scourge Diva? Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- I don't know how to say it. I'm not going to get the name right. Judith. Judith, The Scourge yeah. Diva. Um, another version of that effect different I think that Judith is better if you're doing the creature route but this like you had your Greater Gargadon deck for a long time and this is insane with Greater Gargadon Um, mobilized district Uh, it's a land tap for colorless mobilized district becomes a 3-3 citizen creature with vigilance until end of turn for 4 mana it's still a land this ability costs 1 less to activate for each legendary creature and planeswalker you control so this can be a a creature land that is 0 mana make a 3-3 and attack yeah. I mean, uh like one of the best creature lands of all time is uh the the the, the ape one, the three three green treetop treetop village. This doesn't come into play tapped, doesn't produce a mana but comes into play untapped, and the creature you're making can be very inexpensive very easily. It's easy to have planeswalkers and easy to have creatures in play that are legendary right
0: now. Legendary creatures tend to be pretty color heavy, so it's a little weird to play a colorless land. But
1: not always. There's a, like in elves, this is good. There's a bunch of mono green yeah. legendary creatures and elves you're playing
0: in. That's the, ten, uh, I mean, that's the tenuous designs, design space. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. because it's a colorless land, and like so often, legendary does require color. Um, but that's fun. I like. Yeah. I like this card. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I don't think I'll see any modern play, but maybe.
1: Uh, that's- I disagree. Really? Uh, yeah. I think every creature land has ever like. That can be two or less mana to make a 3-3 creature is likely to see play. Interesting. Because it like doesn't tap for mana, but also comes into play untapped. Like Cheetop Village only taps for green, but comes into play tapped and saw tons of play. Interesting. Um, so you don't have to take a turn off. I think it's very playable. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Nahiri, Storm of Stone, two red, white, red, white. Legendary Planeswalker Nahiri, as long as it's your turn creatures you control have first strike and equipped abilities activates costs one less to activate. Nahiri deals X damage to target tapped creature minus X uh it comes in six loyalty. So she can do six damage to a thing, four mana. I think it's mostly the first strike and the equipped ability that you're looking for. And even then, I don't think there's a lot of equipment abilities. Is there an equipment that you want to cost one less to activate to equip to things? That's like would be good enough. Made this good enough. No. no. Swords or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next. Really good in a world where you have a uh, skull clamp though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Narset's Reversal, Blue-Blue, Instant, Copy, Target, Instant, or Sorcery Spell, then return it to its owner's hand. You may choose new targets for this copy. Um,
0: so it's like a, like a, like a remand-twin-cast hybrid?
1: Yeah. It's cool because you can use it with... We're eventually going to talk about um, Raul Zarek, the new Ral. that if you have two copy right. spells, you go infinite with him and you kill someone. So you can play this and another copy spell to go infinite. Uh, I also think just like... There are times where this is better than remand. Like there are spells when my opponent casts them that I'd much rather copy than draw a random card. And sometimes you'll like really get someone.
0: I love the idea of uh, remanding your cryptic command and stealing it. Yeah, that sounds. It's like
1: this is the best (laughs) counter wars card I think ever printed. Yeah. Because you get to like counter their spell and get your card back. Um, Yeah, I think this card's like just playable. I think it's good. It's a cool design space.
0: I mean, all I'm wondering is, is this, does this have the ability to just like in a counter war, just counter their counter, or do you have to like give them their counter back?
1: No, I think you can count. You, you counter your counter, or you counter your original spell.
0: Oh, oh you just bounce yours, but will they still get theirs, though? I don't know.
1: That's no, interesting. No, no, no. Say, say I counter your spell, yeah, or, and then you counter my counter spell. I can return my counter spell back and then counter the original spell for sure.
0: Oh oh oh! Gotcha! You get your counter back, but then the copy counters their counter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes
1: sense. A lot of the word "counter" was used a lot. That's why counter wars are kind of a nightmare. Uh, Narset, Parter of Veils, one blue, blue, legendary planeswalker. Narset, each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Uh, look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a non-creature not only a card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in any in a random order it's a five mana planeswalker comes down on three mana minus two is its ability so it gets to do its card draw thing twice and then sit in play preventing your opponent from drawing additional cards that first ability is the main thing here if you have any type of wheel effect or um windfall effect or you know anything in that world you
0: uh, erase your opponent's hand. <laughs> well, yeah, but also, I mean, this card is sweet because... Think about that. They can't cast Serum Visions. Yeah. Outright. Yeah, yeah, They just can't cast a cantrip. Yep. They will draw during their draw step, and anything else that they try to draw during your turn won't work. Right. That's pretty good.
1: Well, I mean, like, there's a reason that Leovold has been, like as powerful it has been in internal formats and mostly it's because it stops cantrips it stops faithless looting in fact faithless looting is terrible against this card because they still have to discard the two cards Um, and then when you untap if you're playing with any of the wheel effects in the format or anything that makes it so your opponent draws cards and discards cards it just they become insane because you draw like say you play Whispering Madness, which is Windfall for four with the like the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. whatever, and and you will discard your hand. Your opponent will discard their hand. You will draw, f- whatever cards you draw, four cards, and your opponent will not.
0: <laughs> I think that this card, um, <coughs> this card against Phoenix is pretty good, actually.
1: Yeah, it's really good against Archive Phoenix X.
0: because they will have a really hard time getting their Phoenixes into play. Yep, because they won't. They will be able to discard them. I guess uh, that's not true. They yeah, would just play Faithless Looting and just discard Phoenixes.
1: Yeah, but then they don't like getting additional spells to be able to cast yeah, them is yeah, what yeah. the issue is. Like the Arclay Phoenix is a deck that wants as many spells as possible. It's one of the reasons the new mulligan rule is kind of worse for them. Yeah. Because they don't need they don't want a mulligan. They just want they don't need the mulligan because all their cards are good. Because they're all just can chips, right? Like
0: And I mean I like the card draw on this. That...
1: That's the last card for today.
0: That's gonna wrap us up. So we have one third of the show left. Yep. Uh, which we are going to come out with next week yep Um, when that is actually releasing I don't know but we're going to find out
1: yeah Um. (laughs) likely that'll be the rest of the set maybe end our pro tour yes uh, analysis and depending on what the pro tour looks like it might be a week after that so we'll we'll, there is a to be continued third set review there's still some of the best cards in the set there's a lot there's There's some sweet
0: cards that I still want to talk about yeah so guys thank you so much for listening thanks for watching thanks for sticking with us for such a long uh, and winding set review Um, the third part is coming soon it's just
1: impressive how good the set is like that's that's kind of the main thing here is the fact that we need to do three episodes this is the most we've had to do for an episode ever, yeah. ever because and this is back in the day when we used to review every card like there's yeah. just so many good cards and talkable cards in this set yeah. we haven't gone to ugin yet we haven't gone into the fact that there's a uh armageddon combo now in modern uh there's a lot to talk about my least favorite card tomic distinguished advocate the anti-
0: Oh, yeah, that card's, uh, we Life card. Life from
1: the Loam card. So much to talk about. See you guys next week on the episode. Uh, and thanks so much.
0: And, yeah, just last thing because we didn't shout it out this episode. It means a lot. Please check out patreon.com slash the it's, it's the way we finance the show. We pay for a producer. We buy new stuff. So, please, guys, thank you so much. And go patreon.com slash the
1: And congratulations to
0: Tass, As- Tass
1: Afras. I uh, you, you know, hope you enjoy all your Gideons.
0: Yeah, gaggle of Gideons. We'll send those out to you. Be sure to get in touch with us so we know where to send them. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.